I believe many of you will still be in lockdown or home confinement direction as they call it here in Queensland. And uh, we have already talked about you know, some of the issues that can create. You know, some people may feel you know, isolated, they may be struggling with being you know, too much alone, they feel alone, they can't have their normal social contacts. And we discussed that uh, in, uh, several times before. But there can also be the opposite problem because not everyone is uh, locked up just on their own. Some people may be locked up within the family. Some time ago I saw footage of a lockdown in India and it looked pretty tough. They were in one of the slums and they went in with a camera and there were a dozen people in a tiny room and they were supposed to be in lockdown then. It must be very difficult. So sometimes in a lockdown there can also occur what is known as cabin fever. Have you heard, term the, have you heard the term cabin fever? I think it comes from the people maybe on a polar expedition and then they're sitting in this little tent or in a little cabin and can't really go out and have to get on with each other. And usually if you have distractions it can be easier to live together. Occasionally okay, we don't see each other, and we meet other people, but if one is just constantly in a limited space and with the same person, suddenly uh, little habits of that person can appear very irritating. And when anything goes wrong with the communication, uh, things may aggravate quickly. And there's one sutta in the Book of the Tools in the Numerical Discourses, Angotwa Nikaya, because Bodhi's translation that is on page 156. Otherwise, you can find it as number 36 in the Book of the Tools in the Numerical Discourses, Angotwa Nikaya. Uh, it's not enough time to go through the whole teaching. We'll only go to the second half. The situation is that when the Sariputta is teaching the Dhamma to a large assembly, I think both monks and even laity there, and also devas there, when the Sariputta is the chief disciple of the Buddha, every Buddha has two um, male chief disciples and the male Sangha of bhikkhus and also two female chief disciples in the uh, female Sangha of bhikkhunis and in the case of the Buddha for the monks it was Venerable Sadiputta and Venerable Mahamokalana. Venerable Mahamokalana, the second chief disciple, was known for his incredible psychic powers from mind being, reading to seeing devas and spirits and ghosts to um, the psychic powers like uh, flying and, uh, and walking in water and so on. When the Vesaviputta attained his position as a number one first chief disciple, not by psychic powers, but simply by his wisdom, his panya faculty was so strong 
or that he was no white next in terms of wisdom or panya, white after the Buddha. Interestingly, himself once mentioned that he actually didn't have any psychic powers. He literally said, I can't even see a mud goblin. Uh, the reason is simply, it's not a lack of samadhi, because even if a Sariputta didn't only have great wisdom, but he had excellent, very profound samadhi, he could attain all the attainments on the samadhi side effortlessly, easily as well. But his mind simply didn't have any inclination towards developing psychic powers. Whenever he would emerge from samadhi, whenever he wanted to develop you know, the Dhammavitriya, Bojanga, the fact of enlightenment for investigation of Dhamma, he would just go straight for that. It was more interesting for him to investigate Dhamma, to analyze and investigate uh, you know, even the very subtle mind states he would experience in Samadhi, rather than developing psychic powers. Now, in this situation, uh, he is teaching the Dhamma, large assembly of bhikkhus, lay people, and also a lot of devas around. Then, just as a strong man might extend his drawn-out arm, or draw in his extended arm, the Blessed One disappeared from Jeta's grove and reappeared in Margaramata, mansion in the Eastern Park, in the present of the Venerable Sariputta. Excuse me, Migaramata. This is the monastery which was also in Savati and offered by Lady Visaka. Lady Visaka was called Migaramata, although she wasn't the mother of Migara. Literally, Migara Mata means the mother of Migara, but Migara was actually her father-in-law. So this was an uh, epithet of great honor. Now, usually in ancient India, when a, a woman moved into the family of the husband, she got married to, and she had a, a fairly low status. And the, the very high status and it would be uh, the parents of the bridegroom. So Migawa was actually her father-in-law. However, after she succeeded in introducing him to the Buddha and to the Dhamma taught by the Buddha, Migawa used to be an, a follower of the Arjivakas, and uh, he had a, a great conversion experience. And, uh, he, uh, gained faith in the Buddha and the Dhamma, and he even became a stream mentor. And he gave her this honorary epithet, and he would call her mother, because she had become his Dhamma teacher. So Migada Mata is actually Lady Visaka. And uh, the Puparama, the Eastern Monastery in Savati, was offered and built by her. And this is where Venabhasai put her was teaching. And now and the Buddha who was in the Jetavana, offered by Nata Pindika, has actually used his own psychic powers to vanish from there and to appear in 
Lady Visakha's monastery, uh, the Puparama. He sat down in the seat that was prepared. So how is that possible? How could he sit down in a prepared seat if he just appears with psychic power? It's just instantaneously, boop, and here's the Buddha. How did they have a prepared seat? Yes, yes, yeah, this is what they had. There was always a seat, in particular when the Buddha was alive, they wanted to make sure if ever the Buddha comes in, he wouldn't want to be in the situation that you don't have a suitable seat to offer to him. But it may also have been that just generally for other very senior monks or chief disciples, if they happen to pop in, that they can prepare that, that they can offer it straight away. The Venerable Saviputta paid homage to the Blessed One and sat down to one side. The Blessed One then said to the Venerable Saviputta, Here, Sariputta, a number of peaceful-minded angels approached me, paid homage to me, stood to one side and said, so the Buddha is reporting now that he was approached by devas. We can translate devas as deities, we can just use the Pali. I think the closest in the English language would actually be angels, particularly for the class of devas now reported here. So they had approached the Buddha and then they requested him. Bhante, so this is a deva speaking to the Buddha. Bhante, at Migara Mata's mansion in the Eastern Park, when the Sariputta is teaching the bhikkhus about the person fettered internally and the person fettered externally. The assembly is thrilled. It would be good, Bhante, if the Blessed One would approach the Venerable Sariputta out of compassion. So it's also interesting, now why would the Buddha have to approach Venerable Sariputta out of compassion? Why do the angels request the Buddha to do that? Normally as a chief disciple and Avahant, who is freed from all Dukkha, and the Venerable Sariputta doesn't need too much active compassion. He's, he's very safe and very happy in his teaching. But he doesn't have psychic powers. So these devas were actually around, and Venerable Sariputta most likely wasn't aware of their presence. So what they did, they went to the Buddha, and they asked the Buddha, can you not please come? And they anticipated that the Buddha would know what is all happening, he could read their mind, and then he would explain to everyone about the devas who were also listening. And this is why the Buddha came. And now he is in a reporting to Navasariputta and the monks now what happened and why he suddenly appeared, namely because the devas asked him to, to come out of compassion. Not out of compassion for Navasariputta, but that the Buddha himself now can now uh, relate what is going to happen. And the Buddha explains, those angels, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and even 60 in number, stood in an area even as small as the tip of a needle. 
yet they do not encroach upon one another. <laughs> now, this is actually how you can sometimes have these you know, assemblies from you know, the devas of the whole world system, like in the Mahasamaya Sutta, or in the next week when we will be talking about the Visakha Puja, Vesak, and Mahaparinibbana, where also again most of the devas of several world systems would be assembling. And how can they do that? There are so many. But these devas, <coughs> as the Buddha explains, they are capable, even dozens of them, up to 60, can actually stand together at a space as small as the tip of a needle. And they don't encroach upon one another. They don't afflict one another. They don't harm or hurt or get into arguments. They can be together in a space as small as the tip of a needle without getting into cabin fever. <laughs> so if you feel you're too closely confined, maybe with your spouse, I hear that marriage counseling is already warning people when they are now in lockdown with their spouse all day, every day, there may also be vital problems arising. Even more if the whole family is maybe locked down, the kids, parents, maybe even the older generation, everyone together, or whatever your situation may be, maybe quite a couple of people. So if you feel that this is getting too close, now I need a break, think of these devas. Imagine with 60 others as close as the tip of a needle. And the Buddha continued explaining that they, these devas don't afflict or encroach on another. It may be, Sariputta, that you think, surely it was there that those de uh, angels developed their mind in such a way that 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and even 60 in number can stand in an area even as small as a tip of a needle without encroaching or afflicting or harming each other. What does the Buddha mean by you may think it was there that these angels developed that? Now that is in Devaloka, in the divine world where the angels live. Now the Buddha is pointing out now this is not where they developed that ability. Because as we can say, no, I mean, once I'm an angel and I live in the Deva world, in the Shambhila, so to speak, in the heavenly paradise, then I can develop that as well. But this is a wrong assumption. The Buddha, of course, is not just explaining that to Venerable and He's standing there in front of this whole assembly of monks and so on. And although he speaks to Anubhasai Putta, he's addressing the chief disciple, and he is fully aware that everyone is listening in. And he's mostly teaching you know, all the others who uh, listen in into this conversation between the Buddha and Anubhasai Putta. But this should not be regarded in such a way. Rather, it was right here that these angels developed their mind in such a way that 10 and 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 of them can stand together in a spot as small as the tip of a needle and yet they do not encroach or afflict 
one another. So this was a special thing why the devas came to the Buddha and requested him out of compassion to come across to the other monastery. And the Buddha complied. Now, usually if anyone has a reasonable request which is beneficial and wholesome, the Buddha would go out of his way trying to uh, comply with that request out of the benefit which will then accrue to all kinds of beings. Similar here, the Buddha immediately with his psychic power and with his great wisdom, he understood the whole situation. When the Vasai Buddha teaching, everyone is thrilled, the devas being thrilled. But when the Vasai Buddha not having all these psychic powers, and not being aware of what little miraculously event is happening there, that these devas can be so close together, and they have made their mind so peaceful by practice as a human being, that when they were reborn in Deva Loka as angels, they actually had that ability already straight away. And now the Buddha continues. Therefore, Sariputta, you should train yourself thus. We will have peaceful sense faculties and peaceful minds. Now some Pauline, you can also say we will have a calm mind and calm faculties. You can say a harmonious mind and faculties tuned into concord and harmony, into peace and calm. It is in such a way that you should train yourselves. When you have peaceful and calm sense faculties and a peaceful and calm mind, your bodily action will be calm and peaceful, your verbal action will be calm and peaceful, and your mental action will be calm and peaceful. Now your thinking will be like this. We will offer only calm and peaceful service to our fellow monks. It is in such a way, Sariputta, that you should train yourself. Sariputta, those wanderers of other sects, are lost who did not get to hear this exposition of the Dhamma. And again, the Buddha is addressing when the Vesai Buddha here, but his real intention is going for those who are listening in. When Vesai Buddha doesn't need any admonishment to have a calm and peaceful mind, he already has a supreme calm and peaceful mind of an Arahant. And additionally, he is a chief disciple with all the extremely developed power, me, and spiritual faculty and all the good karma that requires. But although he speaks to Anubhasaya Buddha, he's actually in the meaning the other monks who are listening in. And the instruction is very simple. If we have a calm and peaceful mind and calm and peaceful faculties, that will express itself 
in our action, in our speech, and in our thoughts. And so this is what we have to practice in our lockdowns, in our stay-at-home orders, shelter-in-place orders, in our home confinement directions. Now, if we have a calm and peaceful mind, then even if you're locked down together 24 hours every day in the 24-7, as they say, same people with the same habits, the same character traits and quirks, but if our mind is calm and peaceful, and our faculties are calm and peaceful, we will speak to them in a calm and peaceful way. And then cabin fever will not arise, tension will not arise. We will not feel that we have to get away from these people. And if our mind is calm and peaceful and our faculties are calm and peaceful, now our actions will be like that. As the Buddha encouraged the monks, we will offer only calm and peaceful service to our fellow monks. So whoever are your fellows, so to speak, in your lockdown, whether it's your spouse or it's your uh, kids or your you know, um, parents, grandparents, other family members, this is exactly what we ask ourselves. Now, what kind of calm and peaceful and harmonious service can we offer to them? And if you offer a calm and peaceful service, something that is good and beneficial for them, a little act of kindness and friendliness, now this will reduce tension, this will prevent cabin fever, now this will hopefully trigger a similar response in them, they will reciprocate with a calm and peaceful, friendly, harmonious service, little acts of kindness and friendliness. And then that will uh, continue to increase the atmosphere of calm and peace and metta and compassion and that wishing to help and serve each other. And interestingly, you know, the Buddha points out, you know, even in our mind, this is actually the very crucial one in cabin fever, you know, what sometimes happens in cabin fever and you know, people start talking to each other don't really communicate much because they feel irritated. And it's a common response and if you feel irritated or not so happy with the quirks or character traits of another person, you can't get away and they may stop communicating. But there's always a subtle communication as we discussed recently with Ajahn Kemasevi. We're all podcasters. <laughs> Even if you don't have a phone in front of you and you're not on the Castbot apps, Castbox app. Maybe we are all podcasting live with our thinking and our thoughts and the quality of our thoughts, and it goes out. And just like what we have noticed with the Castbox app, whenever we have a trial run, we are just trying certain things out and calling in that it all technically works, even if we're completely silent. If you just say blah blah, and some people are tuning in <laughs> and shouldn't underestimate that. Even more so, don't underestimate when you are podcasting your thoughts into the whole universe. There's more beings than you would ever imagine who are tuning in, so to speak. 
They may not understand every word what you're thinking, but some actually are. Some do. You know, the devas, spirits, for them it's completely normal. And whatever we are thinking, we are broadcasting to all the spirits and devas. It's a good reminder that when you are on live podcast and then maybe dozens or maybe even hundreds of people listening, when you speak, would you be quite careful what you say? Yes, no? usually the response. I notice in the moment people know we are on live podcast, everyone is quite alert. Because <laughs> you know what you say goes out, and everyone can hear that. So it's very good to develop a similar attitude about our thinking. Because they are beings, and also enlightened beings with psychic powers. But they may also read literally each thought of you. And quite frankly, most of the time they have better things to do than reading the thoughts of defied and unenlightened beings. But occasionally they may do it out of compassion. But for Deva, spirits even goes. That's quite normal. So it's a good lesson to keep in mind. We're constantly broadcasting that out. And others are picking it up. And even human beings, other humans, who have no psychic powers, on a subtle level they start picking up our thoughts as well. So in this situation, when you're locked in together with others, if you're not alone in your lockdown, in your home confinement, but there's someone else 24-7, it is so crucial how we think. It's not only how we act, but the thinking will have a big difference. So we have to make a deliberate effort that in particular if you have maybe someone there close to you in confinement where you notice that you find certain character traits or habits of that person quite irritating. And then you will notice that you start thinking these irritated thoughts quite a bit. It may not yet come out in action or speech, but you're thinking that. And that will already have a slightly negative impact on the other person, the other guy. And then this other guy may also be already a little bit irritated about some of your quirks <laughs> and also thinking similar thoughts. And then it builds up and then it spills over into action and speech. And then the cavern fever becomes unbearable. On the other hand, if you're actually not thinking irritated thoughts, and even if you notice any unpleasant or difficult character traits or quirks or habits, and we put that aside and we deliberately develop thoughts of loving kindness. May you be happy, may you be there, may you live long, healthy and happily, may you be calm and peaceful, may you be free from all problems, may you have no troubles. And we think like that, we think like that. And after some time, with these thoughts of matter and kindness and harmony, suddenly the habit is no longer irritating. <laughs> if our mind has got a good basis in matter, even very quirky habits, they just don't get through, because the matter is already strong. And when we are thinking all day these thoughts of loving kindness and friendliness to the other person we are confined with, 
And at some stage it will naturally spill over into speech. When you say friendly things, it will naturally spill over into action. And we will do little polite acts of, you know, of service, of caring, of showing that you know, we uh, care and that we have affection and that we want them to be well and happy. And then this whole confinement becomes like a, a beautiful meta-confinement. And just like these devas, now, even if you're in the same room 24-7, there will be no tension, you will not afflict each other, you will not encroach on each other. You will be there in, uh, in beautiful harmony and concord, and you will enjoy the confinement. If, if you're confined with someone where you have the thoughts and feelings of loving kindness, of unconditional goodwill and friendliness, it's all easy. You could be in confinement for years, no problems. <laughs> 